here we are. Here we are. Welcome back. Welcome it, back. It is uh, for our podcast listeners. It probably seems like it's only been a week, but for oh. you and I, it's been a little bit longer than a week. Eternity. Yeah. Eternity since we've it, spoken last. I know. And so, you know, it's going to take a little bit of time for us to get back into the yeah. Scott and Ollie show, right? We're not, we're not going to be coming in hot. This no. Episode. It's going to, we're going to have to, it's, you know, it's like a frog in a pot of water. It's going to bring, bring up the temperature slowly. Sure. Yeah. 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 So, hey, that's Scott and, and I'm Ollie and this is Science in Between. And today we are going to talk about it's the question I think that's it's facing the, the it's question. the question. It's the question I'm sure it's facing a lot of, I don't know, college students, maybe some high school students is why should I become a science teacher? Well, he's just asking the question. That's I'm just asking the question. That's uh, all right. Hey, end of the, end of the, end of the episode. Hey, catch hey, next time. Hey, I'm just asking the question. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's, that's a struggle right now because we're seeing yeah. it's, um, you know, right now is a real pivotal time in, in higher education because one, we're seeing uh, decreased enrollments across the mm-hmm. boards. And we're also seeing decreased enrollment specifically in, you know, schools of education because less people are going to become a teacher. And, and I think that uh, the STEM areas are particularly hit hard because those students have a lot of ability to move to other areas that are really marketable and have higher salary bases. Mm-hmm. So, you know, somebody who's a background in fit has a background in physics could easily go into, you know, engineering and, you know, have their starting salary be increased by like 20 or 30 or $40,000. You know, somebody who's really good at math could go into computer science and they could, and, you know, become a programmer or work in, you know, robotics or do whatever. And then, you know, up their salary by a significant amount too. And so, you know, you know, we are, you and I are often asked this question. I mean, I know I am Mm -hmm. um, not only by, you know, my friend's, you know, my, their, their parents. Mm-hmm. So they're asking about their kids or their kids are asking me, or, you know, I have, you know, potential students who are come to campus or like, well, why do I, why do I want to become a science teacher? Why should I become a science teacher? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a difficult question right now because it's, you know, schools are not the places that, you know, they once were. Yeah. And so yeah, I think I mean, we, they never are. We have to that's build a the case. nature of, that's the yeah. nature of schools, right. Is, is, for both the better and the worse schools are not what they used to be. I mean, um, but I think there's also um, related to that schools, not being what they used to be. I mean, teaching as an occupation is not what it used to be. I mean, right. there were sort of this, the seventies into the eighties, which were, I think in many respects, a challenging time for teaching. Cause that was, there were a lot of union. There's a lot of strengthening of unions because teaching was such a sort of, disrespected field um and and largely of course women and and so on and so that made it more difficult but um or more likely that those folks would get marginalized so so you had this very strong unionization of teaching and i think what you've seen since you know the 2000s is a, a slow erosion of that away again so um so a lot of the the things that were benefits you know, when you and I were teaching, right, strong health care, good retirement, um, lots of sort of non-cash based benefits, non-salary cash based benefits to being a teacher um, were, were arguably quite strong. Um, right. and, and a lot of that has has been eroded away. Right. Like 
not completely. And of course, mostly it stayed in, in wealthy districts and it's disappeared in other districts. But, um, but yeah, there's lots of social factors that have impacted um, teaching as, as a field. And as you say, science and math people tend to have a lot of options, especially if their degree is actually in science and math. Um, so, you know, I mean, not to put too fine a point on it, but the the collapse of our economy in 2008 was at, at least in part built on the backs of physicists who designed those those instruments uh, on Wall Street, right? So, so there's lots of options right. to make lots of money if you if you understand math, uh, not just uh, going into directly into STEM fields, but you can go into finance and and uh you know build junk bonds so uh so that's not this episode scott that's not this episode <laughs> i'm just pointing out you know hey kids if you're looking for a career and you feel like junk wrecking bonds. the economy you, you, all you have to do is um so yeah i think but i do think it's a question and, and it's certainly one that you and i have to answer um pr- uh, with some regularity both from parents and from students who come into our office and say you know, I'm sure you have this, right? Like, hey, you know, I'm thinking about being a science teacher, but mm, I'm not sure. Like, it seems seems complicated. And I think another challenge to that is just that, um, you know, people who want to be career changers, I, who come in, who are like, okay, I've been right. an engineer for five years, and it's it's a, a it, I'm making money, but it's not the job I want. It's terrible. Right. I don't like it. How do I become a teacher? And you know, sometimes the answer is not very pleasant, right? It's like, well, you're going to have to come back to school for a while and yeah. you have to pay tuition. Uh, and it's not like um, something we could just go, well, you yeah. know, wave a magic wand and voila, Take you're a this teacher. test and yeah. voila, you're a science teacher. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so I do think it's a good question. Yeah. I, you know, what, what, what gave me this idea was I was at a graduation party just, I don't know, maybe two weeks ago. And, uh, there, uh, one of my friend's kids is finishing up a stint in the coast guard and he's got one more year and he's like, I'm like, what are you going to do after, after you're finished? And he's like, well, you know, I'm thinking about becoming a teacher and I'm like, that's great. You know? And so we talked about that. Now he wasn't interested in science, but he was really interested in, in, in teaching. And, and this is somebody who, you know, I, I, I don't think it's would be unfair to say, uh, didn't love school. Yeah. You know, he said, uh, I loved, I loved history. He's, he's a history buff. Mm-hmm. So I loved history. I love social studies classes. I, I think that's what I want to teach. He says, but I didn't really love school. Mm-hmm. And he thinks that it would be a really good opportunity for him, especially with his background, you know, seeing different parts of the United States with the Coast Guard to be able to really share some of that with kids. And he's like, you know, I'm really excited about this. And, you know, I think that the thing we have to see you know, we have to work on the pitch, right? I, it just kind of shot, you know, kind of um, hit me, you know, like I, I wasn't expecting this conversation with this because yeah. I hadn't seen him in it, you know, probably a good year, year and a half. And so when I had this conversation, I was, you know, like, oh, you know, I got to move into pitch mode. And I wasn't really thinking about what we can, you know, I've been working so much in teacher shortages, you know, like trying to understand the problem mm-hmm. of why people aren't going into the field, but I haven't really thought about like pitching people into entering the field. Right. Yeah. And, and that's a little bit of a different, you know, take. And I think one of the things we have to do is, you know, if we focus on economics, if we focus on the economics of teaching, I think that um, there are some 
professions that are going to outsell us. They're going to say, okay. And I think that's also disingenuous to focus on, you know, summers, right? It's yeah. like, oh, you get your summer. Because I, I will tell you that most of the people that I know who are teaching are, are not summer, like not sitting around on their, with their summers with their feet up on the, you know, I, I would say right now, my, my wife, who's also in education is right now downstairs doing work for her school, right? And so that's, that is not uncommon. Um, so those two, I don't know, tactics or selling points are not going to go very far. I mm-hmm. think um, instead, we should be looking at one, you know, the attractiveness of the, the content. Like, I think that, you know, if you really love content, if you really love, you know, like I really dug physics, like I dug it. And I was like, this is my opportunity to really help kids understand a content that I'm really into. And, but I think that's, that's also, it only was going to carry you so far. Right. And, yeah. And, and I think the, the challenge to that sometimes is that as we get, especially in secondary uh, education, right. We get a lot of people who come to us, like your, your, um, your example here of your, your friend at the, at the graduation party, who's like, I love history. Um, and so we get a lot of people come, or I get a lot of people come to my office. Like, yeah, I love, I love science. I love, I, I can't wait to, um, you know, teach kids science. And in their mind, what that means is that they're going to talk about science, right, right, to kids, not with kids, <laughs> right. So they're gonna they're gonna stand up and talk. And I think one of the um, things that's that is potentially part of this pitch is to understand um, what what it means to actually help people learn science, yeah. right? And how rewarding that is. Like giving lectures is a very unrewarding task. Like it, 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 has, it has little bits of benefit, I guess. Like people come up and say, nice job. Um, that was a great lecture. It was a great lecture. You should give a TED Talk, which is another kind of lecture that you right. And it's um, 18 minutes long. Yeah. And you can, you can buy books about how to do a good one. Um, so, but like, I think we all recognize that um, on some like fundamental level, humans like um, helping other people, right? I mean, maybe not everybody, but most of us like, like we feel good when, when we help somebody else succeed at something that was hard for them or that they were struggling with or that they um, wanted to understand and couldn't, right? I mean, we do it as parents, we do it as friends. And I think one of the things that teaching allows you a lot of opportunity to do is to, to do that, to, to have those moments where you, and, and because you have so many kids, you can have lots of these moments, right? Because you have lots of kids. So you only need one of those kids a day to have that, to really make you feel good, to have that moment of like, wow, this is really cool. I understood something or I know something now that I didn't know before. And I, the student saying to themselves, I think that's cool. And they're doing that in your presence. And it's, that's, um, you know, it's, it's an amazing feeling. It really is. Yeah. I think, I think one of the things that builds on that is you've got to like kids, yeah. you know, I mean, you can't be like, I just want to go and play with kids. Like, I just want to go hang out with kids. Right. You don't want right? to be their friend, you know, you, you, cause I mean, I think that's one of the the challenges with, you know, some of the other education fields is that they're so 
you know, you ask, you know, what brings folks into that, that major and they're like well i just like hanging out with little kids well it's like yeah. hold on you know that's only going to carry you so far and mm-hmm. it's also going to give you a, a different frame of mind just as you know the the people who want to teach content are yeah. like predisposed to lecturing those folks who are just interested in hanging out with kids or playing with kids are sort of like predisposed to you know playtime, right yeah. and i don't think either one of those serves k-12 to education um, right. But I think that you have to have an appreciation for the different milestones and the different developmental levels of kids and be able to recognize that, okay, you know what, maybe I don't like working with early adolescents, but, you know, working with like 15 and 16 year olds is pretty darn cool, mm-hmm. you know, and getting the experience of doing that and recognizing like, hey, you know, these, this is, this is rewarding, like Mm -hmm. making, like working with a kid and making a difference in their life, not only, you know, in terms of like sparking them in, in your content area, but also making differences in other ways is valuable in itself and can be really impactful. And I think we both probably have instances in which we've made an impact on somebody's life in such that we might have changed the course of their life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for and, sure. I mean, I think probably both of us, I know I do, and I'm sure you do. Oh, I absolutely. Who either when we were teaching high school or when we were teaching college came back to us and said, hey, you know, thank you. Right. And um, some of it's career. Some of it's like, hey, I would have never become, you know, a, a physics person. I never want to have gone to NAT, like work for NASA or whatever. That's cool. You know, but some of it is like, hey, I'm alive because you you asked me a question or you, you know, stopped me in the hall and said, Hey, what's going on? It doesn't look like you're having such a good day or whatever. Mm-hmm. Those things are impactful. And that's something that like, I don't know, you know, an extra $20,000 in my paycheck probably is not going to like, you know, like, how do you equate that? Like, what do you, like, where do you put that in the, 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 the metrics of things? I don't know. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, to going back to this, well, there's lots of things out of there that I think are really interesting. But one is this, um, you know, I feel like maybe in part because of the pandemic or maybe just because the pendulum was swinging this way anyway, I think there is more of a sense now, um, especially among young people, that life isn't really just about money. It's about like having a quality of life that they want. Right. And and I think one of the one of the as you say, the the things that makes teaching a good life is the is all of these rewards that are not financial and i know that doesn't make it sound like it's a good <laughs> a good exchange but but those but those rewards are real and they're in many respects more tangible than than the financial ones um so i think there are um that that is genuine, right? Like it it it's the kind of job that gets you out of bed and makes you want to go to work because not because you're getting paid, but because you're going to be happier at the end of the day because you got out of bed than if you'd stayed in bed, right? Right. And, and I think there's something to be said for that in a job that that you say like, yeah, okay, um, if I get up and go, I'm going to impact people's lives and. You know, going back to one of the themes of the show that that I, I'm just going to sort of build on what you said a second ago, which is teaching is relational work, which means yeah. that 
you're working with people, you're building relationships, and that in and of itself is rewarding. Um, but then I think the other thing is, you know, this idea that you're learning, right? So um, we, we've mentioned this before, but Dewey's idea of perplexity, right, which is not understanding, but seeking to understand. And we talk about how it's valuable in students, but it's also incredibly valuable for teachers, right? I mean, one of the things that's cool about teaching as a profession um, is the good problems, which is to say the challenges of teaching are, um, as, as they've been described by uh, Jessica Thompson, I think in, a, in an article, they're problems without ceilings, right? So these are things that you can work on and get better at for your whole life. And that's rewarding too. Like to, the, I'm not saying all teachers do this, but, but it is the kind of occupation where, you know, you can continue to get better and better um, and continue to find areas in which to improve, um, and I think there, there's something to be said for that because human growth, like your own learning and growing is another thing that, that can keep you happy and motivated, right. Is you're learning stuff. If yeah. you, and, uh, so I think teaching provides a, a, a field where in, in many respects, more than almost any other place, it gives you an opportunity because it's such a complex thing. Like this is the thing teaching is so complicated and complex in a beautiful way. You know, the, the. Leslie Gates and I, friend of the show, Leslie friend, Gates and friend I, the show. Are, are leading a book group, um, and we're reading The Missing Course by uh, David Gublar, mm-hmm. and it's about uh, you know teaching in higher education, like the things you should have learned, and it, it's a pretty decent book, but I think one of the things that's in, in this book that's profound that connects to what you're saying is that that he switches you know gears and, and focuses on what 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 is the content that we are teaching? And we're not teaching, you know, our subject. We're teaching the students. The students, there are content. But I would say, you know, maybe tweaking that just a little bit. It's the content we're teaching, but it's also the content we're learning, mm-hmm. right, as, yeah. as teachers. It's the, the content that we ourselves have to understand. And that content continues to change you know i mean i think that's one of the most exciting things about being a teacher is that the content you know like these kids today right well there is it is the kids today are you know i mean fundamentally you know because of the times they live in and the context in which they're growing up in they're different kids and so we have to continue to grow and learn because the content we're teaching and the content we're learning is different yeah and that that is both scary and humbling and exciting and awesome right yeah i mean well and and that you know to to bring the academic side in a little bit again. Um, you know, those are talked about as wicked problems, right? Yeah. Which is yep. place problems that you're trying to solve where the problem is changing while you're trying to solve it. And, um, and that kind of problem is fascinating and cool, right? It's, yeah. it's very different to science problems. And it's, you know, it's arguably one of the reasons I think I, after I graduated was interested in, and, and as I was a teacher came, became increasingly less interested in physics and more interested in teaching because physics problems are not wicked problems for the most part. Um, but, but teaching is a wicked problem and it, and it is, it is fascinating. And the other thing that it is, um, that I think is really cool. And we may have talked about this before. I feel like we have, but this idea of craftsmanship, right? So, 
So teaching as a craft, like we talk about it as an art sometimes, maybe as a craft. I prefer craft. Um, and the reason I prefer craft is I think um, craft has a, um, I don't know, it mixes practice and art in ways that I think are interesting. Um, and maybe art does this too. And again, friend of the show, Leslie Gates can give us her. her (laughs) She's going to email one of us or both of us or both of us. (laughs) But, um, you know, like I, I know I've talked about before, um, there's a Michael Ruhlman wrote a, a book about wooden boats, which I find fascinating when he talks about how people build wooden boats. And the reason I find it fascinating is like building wooden boats is hard. And the reason it's hard is because wood, unlike things like fiberglass, which you can also build a boat out of, wood came from living things and it's complex and complicated. And building a wooden boat is a wicked problem. Like you have to, and you have to take the materials that you're using into account while you're using, you can't just build the boat and say, there it is. Like you have to understand individual pieces of wood and how they work together. Otherwise the boat's going to fail, right? And I think that's one of the beautiful things about teaching is that the, you know, your point about like, oh, kids today and that, well, instead of, instead of complaining about that, we should be reveling in that, right? right? We should be saying like, yeah, kids today are different. And that makes my job continually interesting and challenging. Like, I don't, I don't want a job where, where I'm cranking widgets. And when you say kids today in the way that, you know, you were meaning it. To, right. Right. It, it really is like, why can't I just keep cranking widgets? Like why, why can't keep, I had lesson, those kids figured out? Yeah. I, I developed this lesson 20 years ago yeah. and it doesn't work anymore. Why can't I use it? Really? Yeah. Like, like these kids, they're broken because right. this lesson used to work. And yeah. it's like, hold on. The content you're teaching is changing. You know, it's, yeah. it's not that the, you know, the physics concepts, it's the people you're working with, the people in the room are not the same people because of all of the other things that's happening in the world that, you know, whether it's technology or whether it's global pandemics or whatever. Just culture, right? Culture, I mean, cu- all culture of it. is evolving and, yes. and changing. And this goes back to the, the way that we think about what teaching should be about, right? Like you should be drawing on the ideas and experiences and cultures of the students in your classroom. And those things are not the same. Yeah. year to year. Now the the changes from year to year are are incremental um and and maybe small and but yes, kids in many respects are very different now than they were when you and I were teaching. Um but that's that shouldn't be a complaint. That should be um uh, that should be a benefit of the of the job, right? Is that my job is constantly changing. And 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 that's the specific way it's changing. And what that means is that you have to keep learning. You can't yeah. just give up and say, okay, yeah, I've, I've got it all sorted out and I'm just going to do this, right? I mean, you have to recognize that, um, that doing this relational work with kids is a difficult, wicked problem that makes teaching awesome and rewarding. I don't know if I've talked about this in the show, but one of, there was a teacher, a math teacher I worked with who was like a 30 year veteran. And, and this was one of the coolest things I think I've ever seen a teacher do one summer. He always had this like, you know, summer outing, like he had a cabin in the woods and he took all of his lecture notes and all of his course materials. And at this summer outing burned it all, (laughs) all of it. And he's like, you know, I've been teaching for 30 years. I want to feel what it's like to be a first year teacher again and start everything from fresh. 
And I was like, just so impressed with the guy because here he was somebody who had that say, that disposition. He was like, you know what? I'm getting complacent. I'm, I'm like, just assuming that I can just open my, you know, my notebook and just, you know, teach the lesson I developed maybe five years ago. And he recognizes that he needed to change it up and he did it in a really dramatic way. And I always admired the guy for that. And, and I think that, you know, if, you know, if someone is looking for a career in which there's stability and there's, um, you know, there's stability in terms of economics, but in terms of like the thing you do every day, it changes. Like there, it is a, um, it is, it is a field. It's a profession in which what we do is changing minute to minute, day to day, year to year. And that can be intimidating or it can be exciting. Mm-hmm. And if, if someone out there is listening and they're like, probably not, but you know, if I'm meeting with a student who wants some sort of like stability and constancy in their, in their life, maybe teaching you know it provides that economically but it doesn't from a you know a day-to-day like if if you like wrote stuff if you want like hey i my day is the same every day maybe from a schedule standpoint but gosh right yeah you don't you don't need a calendar right Right. like i will say that was one of the big changes i remember going from teaching to being in higher ed is like suddenly i had to have a calendar Right. Because when you're a teacher, you don't need a calendar like first period doesn't change from from today to to tomorrow to next week. But like you're saying, and and I think, you know, the interesting thing when you hear about great creativity and, and when great creativity happens, great creativity happens most in environments that are largely constrained. Right. I mean, so I think one of the things about teaching is it is as you say, highly constrained, like you have 45 minutes a day or however many, if you're block schedule, maybe you have 80 minutes a day with your kids. And, and that's the time you have. And, and so in that sense, it's highly constrained, right? Like you, you don't have a lot of flexibility on that part, but what you do with that time, you do have a lot of power and control over, uh, and you can do interesting, amazing things. And I think, you know, when you when you hear like when I go to to the, my my middle school here in in town and and listen to to the teachers there and like the the transformation that has ha- happened for them as teachers as they've moved into these you know more ambitious forms of practice like it, ha- it for some of them very explicitly it has resparked this idea of like why did I get into teaching yeah. exactly right and they're starting to see you know like they're so excited about what's happening in their classrooms that they're pulling out their phones and recording what kids are talking about just because it's so cool. cool. Like they just want to, they want to be able to say like, listen to what my kids did like in class today, this was them talking. I wasn't even there asking them questions. They were just talking to each other like this. And you know, that, and that's happening with these folks and they're, you know, and then they're sending me an email and say, Hey, I recorded this. I've attached the recording. I want you to listen to it. It's so cool. Right. And that sort of stuff is, is, you know, you can't, you can't get that in very many jobs, that yeah. sense of like, wow, they, these, these folks did something that is amazing for them and that they may not even realize how amazing it is what they're doing because they're just talking, but, but, the, but those experiences are going to transform those kids in the way that they think about science, the way they think about themselves 
Um, and I know this because my daughter was in these classrooms and she says it to me, you know, she's like, yeah, those, those years in middle school are completely changed my notion of, of science. And, and in many respects ruined her, I think, you know, cause she went to high school and she's like, what is this? Like, what, right. what is this nonsense? Like, um, but, uh, but I think that, that you, it's very hard to find jobs where you get that level of reward, right? E- emotional and social reward for the work that you do. It's very hard to find those jobs. Yeah. And when you get like, I don't know, when you get an email from a former student or an email from a parent, those are things that like can carry you for, for months because you're just like, you, cause you made a difference, Yeah, you know, and that's Years, cool. Right. I mean, yeah, yeah I mean. Why, you know, right in the middle of the pandemic, I got this email from a student and honestly, I, I, I barely remembered this, this student, but it might've been from 25 years ago who like was, Hey, look, I just wanted to email you. Cause I've been doing a lot of introspective introspection and, you know, this pandemic has made me think and, and it was probably one of the nicest communications I've ever gotten from a student. And, you know, I carried me for a while, you know, like yeah. it was awesome. It was awesome to hear. And that's something that, you know, uh, I don't know if I would get if I was like, hey, developing a program. Hey, this was the best program I've, you know, yeah. I've, you've <clears throat> ever like I've ever created. Like, I don't know. I mean, because yeah. certainly I know you and I were and we've talked about this in other episodes about like what drew us to teaching. Right. Like our our own personal stories, our narratives that brought us to teaching. And certainly you know, you and I could have done a lot of other things. Like you, we could have both gone into computer programming. We both could have mm-hmm. gone into engineering. We could have done, but I don't know if my my life would have been as rich as as it has been, and I wouldn't I I wouldn't have had the impact. And and I can tell you that probably we would have been missing a handful of people walking this earth because I was able to be there be, to make a real pivotal point in their life. You know, to make a change in there at the at a critical time. Yeah. And so and, and the, that's pretty awesome, you know. It is. And I think it's also awesome to think about the fact that 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 is a, has a ripple effect. And, yeah. and it has a ripple effect both when you're teaching school because you impact kids in your classrooms that then go on to impact their kids or their friends or whoever they work with or who or whatever, right? So you you make changes in the way that parents do with their kids like you impact these kids in ways that they go out into the world and hopefully make it a better place as a result of what happened in your classroom and you know it's even more explicit for us in higher ed in the sense that like we're teaching teachers and we're teaching teachers to go out into the world and right. and be better right you know um and i you know another happy story that just happened like this is sort of the time of year where we get a lot of these happy stories i think yeah but, um, you know, one of my students who just graduated this year, I, I was doing a reference check for her and, uh, you know, the building principal in the place that is hiring her was like, she was fantastic. She, she answered questions about best practice in science better than any of the veterans that we interviewed by a mile. She's, he's like, whatever you're doing down there is great. And I said, look, that kid is great that you got, Yeah, but, but yeah, we also are, you know, that student of mine. Um, hello, Blair, um, <laughs> is, is going to, you know, be an amazing science teacher. And I take some responsibility for that. And that, you know, gets you through stuff. It makes you 
feel better. And it, and it's a part of this job and any teaching job that, um, that you can't get any other way. Yeah. When, when I look back over, you know, I, I think I've mentioned this is is my 30th year of teaching. And so 30 years of teaching, you know, you know, when I was teaching K to 12, I had like probably like 120 students a year, you know, now in higher ed, I have uh, some more than that, you know, usually like 200 and some students per year. So if we add up all of those students, you know, that is quite the impact. Mm-hmm. Now, not maybe not all of them, you know, are have the same significant impact as as others, and maybe some of them more <laughs> would argue that they were negatively impacted <laughs> by the interactions with me. <laughs> yeah. huh? But you know, that is quite. I mean, that's the relational nature of this profession is that you have the the ability to really connect with people and make a difference. And that in itself, you know, that I, I guess that's more general than just being a science teacher. It's just being a teacher. But I think from a science perspective, it's to, it's to make an impact on how they see the world and how they understand things and the curiosity they bring to things. Like they look around and instead of just, you know, accepting, you know, something they ask why, you know, why does that work or how does that work? Mm-hmm. Or, or somebody presents some data and they go, is that accurate? Is that like, and so that sort of like mindset um, I think is, is important in today's world and, and, and playing a role in, in making a difference in that is, is, is invaluable. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think that's maybe a, a good time to transition to uh, to joys to, to joys. Yeah, well, I'll let you go start first. Start ah, well, that was effort I will okay. let you start first because you have been, you know, uh, a tra- travel guy. I'm sure you've had some joys and not so joys, but let's focus on the joys. Yeah, um, actually. Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't going to um talk about travel, but I could talk about travel. I'm gonna, I'm going to save the travel for today. I've got a different joy that I I had okay. planned to share. So, um so one of the things that there's a new Marvel movie coming out that's the Thor movie. Um and uh what is it? Love and Thunder. Yep. And uh but it's based on a comic book that the and um and so i went back recently and read this series it's it's uh i think it's 12 issues all together i can't remember exactly because i read it in like a uh con- combined form but the god butcher um thor series is is from 2013 um and it's it's you know a great comic book um so so Jason Aaron was the writer and Isad Ribic 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 was the the artist um and the art is amazing just spectacular art in the, in this series but the story is amazing too and um and it's i mean i'm actually really interested because i think they're weaving multi- god butcher is only part of what the movie was based on because it also has other thor stories sort of intertwined with it um the jane foster thor story that's right the jane foster uh 
female Thor run. Um, but the God Butcher I had read a long time ago, and um, and it was it was I think I read it when it came out actually, but um, you know, going back to it and reading it, I really enjoyed it again. It's I mean it's it's dark in many respects. I mean it's a sad story about this um being not a human but a being who's sort of turns into this um super evil person or thing at being who who has decided gods are bad because they they don't actually help people they're just vain and and stupid and and they actually create more harm in the world than than good and so goes about trying to to kill all the gods in the in the universe um, and becomes entangled with Thor specifically after trying to kill him and failing. And then this leads to all sorts of interesting stuff that happens down the road. Um, but anyway, it, it, it's a really good series. It's well-written. It's, it's got obviously sort of resonances to, um, you know, th- thinking about religion in a general sense and not just like God of thunder, like Thor, uh, the Marvel character, but sort of the broader notion of like what role does religion and deities play in our life and why are they important or not? And what, what are the sort of pros and cons of those things? Um, but it's, it's a fascinating, um, it's a fascinating comic and well worth a read. So that's my, that's my uh, recommendation for, yeah, I'm, for this I'm excited about that too. And I'm really excited about the, the Jane Foster story in that, because yeah. that is, I won't, I won't talk about that at all because no, I, I think that um, if they incorporate the Jane Foster story in that, that will itself be like pretty awesome, pretty cool yeah. because that in itself was a really um, interesting, you know, series. So yeah. mine uh, my joy is I'm, you know, I, it's, it, we're recording this in summer and uh, usually summer is when I try to pick up my leisurely reading. And, um, you know, I have this, you know, love of, I, I don't want to call them bad books, you know, because they're, I mean, bestsellers, right. They're like best, but, you know, like some people are attracted to romance novels. I'm attracted to like spy novels and like, you know, the lone gunman kind of thing, the guy who runs off, you know, like the, you know, I mean, there's a whole history of this, this archetype, you know, mm-hmm. like James Bond being one and all these others. Mm-hmm. Um, so I am a, a big fan of the Gray Man series. And there was a new book out called Sierra Six, which is sort of like a prequel smashed together with like a, a a now story so it's like it's an interesting story because it goes back and forth between his first mission as part of this team and then it also connects to a story that's happening in what is their you know arc of storytelling is the now because there's a whole bunch of these stories that happen in succession and so you know if you've I've read all of these books. So I I know where the story is now and where all the characters are. Um, so I know that he's, you know, currently on the outs with some people and he's still a wanted man and all this. Um, but he can it's the connection of the, you know, the early mission to this now mission that I think is really an interesting story. Um, and I just like the character. I just like the character because, you know, he's somebody who's a, a problem solver. He's like somebody who's um, always 
like trying to understand what's happening in the environments he's in. So he's not a really assuming, like he's not a you know physically assuming person. Um, what's interesting is that um, he's going to be, uh, there's a movie coming out, um, I think this fall, um, in which he's played by Ryan Gosling. So to kind of give you a, like a really- yeah, I mean, so who's not an action guy, right? I mean, you don't see Ryan Gosling as somebody who's, you know, big and burly. I mean, he's not Chris Hemsworth, right? He's not. No, he's know? not. A, no. No, and so, but I think that's the that's the thing about this character, the gray man, Court Gentry, which my wife always laughs when I say his name is Court Gentry. It's like <laughs> very, you know... Yeah, it's like a manufactured, you know, spy name, right? And it is, yeah. but... But it's like just a really enjoyable read. It's one of those beach, you know, reads that if you're sitting out there in the sun and you want to have a good book that's just going to, you know, take you away for, you know, a day or two, this is the way to do that. So uh, Sierra Six, um, uh, I think Mark Graney is the name, Mike Graney. What is, I think it's Mark uh, is the author. Um, and I used to always <clears throat> forget it is written by sorry it's okay yeah mark graney yeah i worked with a mike graney so that's why uh yes Uh, Uh, the confusion of names yeah it it is so the uh sierra six newest gray man novel and uh the god butcher series that's a good one i have to check that out yeah, you should. And and I'm just noting the um Jason Aaron, who's the author of the God Butcher series, also wrote the the um the Jane Foster uh oh. Goddess of Thunder. He wrote both series, so that's probably why they're combining them. Oh, that is really cool. Yeah. So, yeah. Look so he wrote you. he wrote uh he wrote God Butcher in twenty thirteen and then he followed that in twenty fourteen and fifteen with the with the goddess Thor. So, so there you go, Jason Aaron. Look at him. Nice, at him. nice work, Jason. Friend of the show, Jason Aaron. He's probably not, but <laughs> yes, indeed. It'd be really cool. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, thanks for being here, and we'll catch you next here. time. In yeah. between. See you then. Bye now.